Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Welcome to the one-of-a-kind LinkedIn live show that will help you with your job search and advancing your career. We will bring in educated career experts who will share their insights and give you inside tips on how to be successful in your job search. Now let's get into today's show with your host, Jack Kelly. All right, Anna's giving a look like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> Yes, I can see myself on the other side. Okay. All right, we did it. All right, a little technical difficulties, but we made it. We persevered. Awesome. This is this is a great thing about you know COVID. I know that came out really weird. All right, I know that came out really weird, but you can do you get like it gives you liberty to f up and still be fine. It's right. It doesn't doesn't it feel? Yeah. You could do whatever the heck you want to do. You know. Yeah. Anybody something crazy, and it's okay. It's right. totally okay. You know what I did last Wednesday? I had all the job search angels up on my stream and then I played a video on top of us. So you could see like half my face and half Jess Smith's face and our promo video is running in front of our faces. And I was just like, I started dancing with the song so people could see me. I was like, who cares? You know, progress, not perfection. If you know, one of the other great things about COVID is that we're seeing that we're human, you right. know? So, so to start again, this is yeah. Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly, and we have our special guest, Anna Morgan. So that Anna, is me. maybe you could say who you are, what you're about, and this time, there won't be glitches. The no glitches. I'm Anna Morgan, founder of Career BFF, job search strategy uh, expert and recruiter. I spent many years in agency and corporate recruiting and have expanded my talents to serve job seekers to help them be visible on LinkedIn and network and ultimately find opportunities that they love. So. I think having, you know, I'm completely prejudiced because I'm a recruiter, I've been so for like 20 plus years. So I, I, I feel if someone has that recruiting background, it helps if you're a career coach and resume writer and uh, life coach and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Did you sense that by having that, it gives you certain perspectives that you may not have known before? A hundred percent. I think it definitely gives <clears throat> you a huge edge because especially being an active recruiter, you're staying tapped into the candidate market and seeing what candidates are doing extraordinarily well and where they have opportunities to improve. And so if I see trends with candidate outreach, personal branding, uh, communication styles in phone screens and interviews, if you know people are doing it with me, it's likely a challenge that other people are having, which is a thing that or a topic that I can coach to or produce content on. So it's definitely, um, I think it provides a level up from people that have never been a recruiter or not a recruiter, per, you know, currently because yeah, you're just you're in the seat <laughs> and you're working with the organizations and the hiring authorities and have a great. Uh, lifeline to what's hot, what's not, what is the perception of quality, um, you know, how flexible or inflexible hiring managers are about different roles and opportunities. So it makes sense. And, you know, for other guests who I had on the show and the people that you work with in your BFF angels group and others, I mean, it's fine to have different backgrounds. It's just everyone has their own kind of little superpower of what they bring to the table. So mm -hmm. I think you know, this is one particular aspect that you have that I, you know, I could kind of relate with and I could see how that helps. 
Um, and for today, our goal is really just to help people by giving advice and guidance, or rather, Anna's gonna give a lot of advice and guidance about what to do with the idea. Now, I don't know if everybody's gonna agree with this, but I think we're at the beginning of the end of the pandemic and it's right around the corner. And for those who are kind of just been beat up, job search fatigue, hitting the pandemic wall, how to maybe just, just go that extra distance, you know what I mean? And make that extra mile so that when it reopens, you're just gonna be in the front of the line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have done some series on job search fatigue and I'm someone that's super passionate about mental health and self-care, uh, especially for job seekers and career changers because you know, I think a lot of times we take for granted the looking for a job or being out of work is a part of our identity, right? It is uh, when we decide to make a career change, it is a life decision, just as important as, you know, who we're going to marry, if we're going to have children, um, you know, the first house that we're going to buy. It is a big decision because it affects a lot of other areas of our life. And so, I take that very seriously and, you know, help guide people through that decision-making process, right? But if they're down and they've been looking for a long time, you know, and that's where you said kind of the life coaching piece comes in where, you know, we really dive into some of the past stories, right? That are experiences that they've had and try to alchemize and work through those before we move into the strategy of how we're going to move forward. Um, and that looks like, you know, self-care, making that a priority. Like I had mentioned earlier, you know, I'm all about, you know, taking radical responsibility for ourselves and our career. And so sometimes we just have to shove stuff out of the way to make that a priority. And if we don't start with our health, and that's another thing that COVID has brought to the forefront is that our health matters. And, you know, if you can make time for that walk with your dog or that 20 minute, you know, meditation or just giving yourself some uh, routine uh, because, you know, working from home, people are working more hours um, and not, you know, holding themselves accountable to some schedules. So, um, I agree with you. I think I'm definitely seeing an uptick in opportunities from people landing and more postings and just more general outreach um, in the past couple, I would say eight to 12 weeks is where I started to go, okay, this is looking like a good sign, but I think we're all cautiously optimistic at this point. You know, I've seen the same thing for the longest time really quiet, really tough. Um, and one of the gauges I'll use on LinkedIn, and I'm not saying this to be nice because we're doing a LinkedIn Live, but I do notice that you would see when people get jobs. And for a mm -hmm. long time, not so much. And yeah, maybe the last few months started seeing that, you know, trickle at first, but then more steady. Mm -hmm. You know, Gene has a new job doing this. Joe has a new job doing that. More and more, and at first, when they started hitting, I'm like, wait, what is this? Because yeah. <laughs> you almost forgot that that happens. But then seeing it increasingly more. <clears throat> and then also just seeing more jobs out there. And mm -hmm. as a recruiter, getting more assignments to work on. Right. And you just see that just, it. you could probably appreciate this. With, with recruiting, it, it, you just feel the flow sometimes. You feel that energy. It's hard sometimes to quantify with exact numbers, but you just mm -hmm. sense it. 
Yeah, absolutely. That sounds silly, or, or do you know what no, I mean? No, no, you're 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 talking to uh, <clears throat> a little bit of a, a woo-woo woman. So I, yeah. I definitely get that, but I, I do. I sense that you know there's more opportunity coming, and you know to kind of go back to people that have been experiencing job search fatigue. Um, you know, really focusing on that self-care, but then also, you know, really making sure that you have your LinkedIn in a tip-top shape, that you optimize your profile so that people understand who you are, what your zone of genius is, um, and how you can be found. So a lot of people don't realize that LinkedIn is a search engine just like Google. So like I saw a profile recently that the headline said, actively seeking at actively seeking. <laughs> it's like, you know, as a recruiter, you know, we're not typing in actively seeking. We're talk we're typing in regional account manager or accountant or compliance professional, whatever it may be. Um, so having that up to date and then really just jumping into networking as much as possible. I mean, I, I, the events alone on LinkedIn lately have been nuts. So there is not a shortage of opportunities to jump on lives like this and other events where you can learn new skills and meet new people, which could lead to collaboration or freelance work is something I really recommend for those people that have been looking for quite some time. Um, even if it's like on a pro bono basis, because then they have a talking point when they do get that interview, when someone says, oh, COVID, that's why you're no longer with your last company, you know, what have you been doing since then? And then you can say, well, I've taken these LinkedIn learning classes. I have been helping a small business owner with accounting and marketing coordination, whatever it may be. Um, but then that also builds confidence and helps them, you know, feel good about what they've been doing, even though they may have watched all of Netflix over the last 12 months. <laughs> I've done a lot of that, to be honest. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> what, what actually we do as a family, because both my kids are in college, but they've come back and forth because the schools, well, it's all online. And after a while, uh, we were talking about this before pre-glitch. Pre-glitch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were talking about, you know, you, know you, you kind of like, okay, you're home or rather they were in their dorms, no one is around. It's really weird, it's creepy. You're taking yeah. online courses, you're by yourself. So they come back and that would be kind of our ritual. Like after dinner, you know, we'll, we'll like watch a show or two. So we sit around and our, thing, our go-to thing lately has been like these BBC, you know, detective kind of shows. <laughs> so it's all like, it's interactive. So we're all trying to guess who did it, what happened. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of, you, you know, it's a way to kind of get your mind off of all the stress and the anxiety Changing, yeah, but still have kind of this routine so you feel like there's normalcy. Um, yeah, we we uh have been watching like Top Chef where we uh set the time with some family members up in Connecticut. So oh, cool. the cousins are kind of like texting, like, oh, who do so you think cool. is going to get eliminated this time? Um, you know, so there's been different opportunities to you know connect in different ways, but uh, you know, my husband's always like, Are you gonna stay and watch a show? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm either going to go ride, ride the Peloton or go to bed or go back to my office are usually my three uh, options. But I mean, I go through, you know, 
kind of peaks and valleys. If I find a uh, like season that I love, then you know you might find me on the couch all weekend. So <laughs> there's some benefit to it. I think if you're looking for a job, you're trying to you know get ahead where you are, mm. or you just just kind of stressing out and anxiety. You probably you I think you kind of need to have these other outlets. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think for people that are, have been looking for a while, like trying to even form like a little accountability group. And that was why I uh, created the job search angels where I brought in four other coaches that do exactly the same things I do, but it was for selfish reasons from an entrepreneurship standpoint, I was super lonely. (laughs) Like, and you know, this was a way for me to, you know, collaborate and uh, like vibe off of their energy. And it's turned out to be such an awesome experience because to your point, we have a lot of different strengths. And so when we host a live or clubhouse room, you know, we're providing extreme value to people who really need it. And they have free access to experts in this job search strategy and mindset and clarity and resume finessing uh, space. Um, and it's a way for us to give back, but then we're also connected, which feels really nourishing and helps diminish that anxiety, that loneliness, um, and that fatigue that comes up, whether it be looking for work or just entrepreneurship in general. I'm with you on that. I think that's so important to kind of seek out, you know, social interactions because otherwise, I, I, you know, I'm not a scientist, but it just seems to me that if you don't, it's easy just to go down that path, you know, and just just start feeling more anxious. You feel alone, you feel isolated. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a smart move to to kind of surround yourself. And then it sounds like you're surrounding yourself with people have different skills. So you're not all doing the same thing kind of, so you could kind of learn from each other, help out one another. And I mean, there's so many different groups, you know, where you can be with fellow job seekers and you Mm -hmm. can break off and say, hey, let's have a coffee chat twice a month and do some like peer coaching, right? Let's do some uh, mock interviews because in my experience, practicing interviewing is the most powerful thing that you can do because you see it, I see it. People are not well-prepared for interviews and they're not telling their story effectively, nor are they skilled at listening to answer the question that's being asked. And if they do answer the question, uh, it's probably not uh, wordsmithed in the correct way to land in the, a favorable way to the person that's conducting the interview. So there's so much that can come from that by just saying, hey, would y'all be willing to do this and see how it goes and test it out? I love that idea because I, I've seen firsthand so many times people go for an interview and then I'll get feedback where they'll be polite, but they say, hey, Jack, I, I, we're going to pass on, you know, so-and-so. And the way they say it, I know some, there's something more to it. Yeah. And when I dig a little bit, oftentimes, either A, but to your point, is that they just really can't articulate what they've done and what they're looking to do. They don't have mm-hmm. an elevator pitch. Or B, and this is what I'd be curious if you have some advice for. Mm-hmm. This happened to me the other day. Um, like I had two candidates who, they were in between roles you know, good backgrounds. Um, they, were, they were right for the job. But the feedback was like, they came across like kind of bitter, a little resentful, you know, a little, de- a little depressed. 
And those are all understandable things to have when you lost a job. But when you bring it into the interview, it's not a good look, right? Like, what do yeah, you do? Like, that's, that's why I was saying, like, I mean, again, that's the power of having a mentor or coach yeah. or an accountability buddy is that so you can have a state, a safe space to kind of get that gunk out. Um, because I mean, I've even called some clients. I'm like, you can't go into an interview with this kind of mindset because yeah. people are going to feel that. And to your point, you're like, we sense things, even if it's over zoom, um, you know, how people, their body language, their eye contact, their just vibration essentially yeah. really matters. And so that's why doing that self-care work and doing things so that they, are feeling worthy and confident. So when they actually get the shot to tell their story, um, they can do it in a confident way. Uh, the other thing that I'm seeing, you know, being back in the seat, I think this is my fourth week now, just doing phone screens, is that candidates are rusty from interviewing. We're also seeing people that have been employed for a long time, say seven to 10, 15 years. So looking for work is, like brand new territory yeah. for them. Uh, so they're out of practice and then they start talking about their experience and they're jumping around the resume, trying to match the skills and experience to the job description. But what it does to me is like, I'm trying to follow it on the resume. So a simple change that they can make is just reference the company name before they start talking about the actual functions, because I'd have to stop them and say, okay, so you're talking about, you know, DEF company, not ABC company. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you see that? Like people just jump all, all around. Yeah. You know, it's where, because they're rusty and it, it becomes clear they didn't practice that they just, they're all over the map. Or right. it even goes back to, you know, when you hear, okay, so tell me about yourself kind of question. And they go back to, you know, 30 years ago. And then it's torture for the interviewer because like, oh my God, I didn't mean 30 years ago. <laughs> what are you doing in your last job, the job before that? Let's just start there. Yeah, I mean, look, 10 years is good, and like, you know. Oh God. And, then, and, then, and then these, like sometimes they don't take a breather. So you can't even kind of stop them. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, don't do yeah. that. You're just killing your chances for getting this job. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is you want people to be like honest, right? And comfortable. Yeah. And I... I feel like I do a really good job of putting people at ease before I start asking them questions. And I had a call this morning and um, I would say, you know, a candidate that probably has like five, six, seven years of experience. And uh, I said, you know, it was kind of like walk me through, you know, and I was trying to find his experience, like where I could match it up with my opportunities. And um, he basically was like, I just need something stable. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, well, we're a very stable company. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, let's let's dive into this a little bit more. Like with your merchandising experience, this might go with this position. So I was like softballing, you know, yeah. the stories for him to tell. Um, so it is, it's all about practice. So, you know, if people are are looking to make a change or have been looking for a long time, like practice makes perfect. And that's why I love doing interview prep because all of my years in sales, I had to role play. Like at the time I hated it. Right. 
But that's probably what made me a great saleswoman and recruiter because I was fearless about the phone and I had the gift of gab and not everyone has that. So it's helpful to practice, put things on note cards, write out your situational interview questions, um, you know, do the work so you can show up as your best self. I, I, I'm with you on the practice because same thing, you know, what I would do going back to what, you know, 20 plus years ago, uh, it was the phones. That was it. You know, you had to get on the phones, but you wanted to have a good pitch so that you capture someone's attention. And it would be kind of a combination. It would be a pitch, but not too rigid that you could tell, okay, next question, next point, you know, and you become robotic. Oh my gosh, Jack, it's so funny you say that. So when I transitioned into corporate away from agency, and so I started getting the phone calls from, you know, people that wanted to be vendors for the corporation, I literally would hang up the phone and be like, I, I should train recruiters. There's a, actually, there's a market in that, Anna. I know. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole <laughs> because I was like, I can't believe I actually, you know, made money doing this because one, it was like so competitive. Your phone rings off the hook. Mm -hmm. And then two, to your point, it was just so scripted and handling the different objections. And, you know, I would be like, I seriously get you. I was an agency recruiter for 15 years. Like, thank you for the phone call. It was so hard to like say no because yeah. I totally valued what they did. But yeah. You, you, you'd appreciate this. So this goes back a while. You know, we still have a landline now, but even back then we had a landline and mm -hmm. you get all these calls, all these solicitation calls. Right. And my kids would laugh and cringe because I will critique them. So let, I, you know, let's say someone is calling like for, I think there's one where, you know, to get, let's say the New York Times delivered. And I'm like, dude, dude, let's start all over again. Right. <laughs> Your pitch is terrible. Here's, here's what you got to do. Your and energy give, is so flat, right? How <laughs> can point this? All right, here's what you have to say. Because as a recipient of your call, I'm totally not interested in the way you're doing it. So yeah, it's you got it got to work on it. So same thing, you go for an interview. You can't just kind of go in. I'm going to wing it. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years, so I'm going to go in and wing it. I don't know if you know this. This is a little pet peeve of mine because I feel so bad for these people because they feel, and I understand why. Hey, I've been doing this job for 30 years. I know it. So like, all right, here I am. I've done it for 30 years. Hire yeah, me. Yeah, you have to also be able Perfect to explain way. it to someone who yeah. is not in your industry, right? Yeah. Like, I don't work in your space of compliance per se. So, you know, if I started interviewing your candidates, like, I would need a baseline. And I, I think this is an, another tip for job seekers, especially if you have been in a niche for a period of time is that you never wanna assume, especially with that first line recruiter, that they know your industry. So don't be afraid yes. to set a little bit of the stage of you know the company I worked for specialized in this, manufactured this, so we can connect the dots as opposed to us trying to like, you know, Google what the company is while they're trying to explain it. So that's another little tweak that really can make it easy on the recruiter's brain to be relatable, to keep the conversation going, to say yes, and to hopefully move them to the next step. You know, that's such an important point because what I've seen is that when I first started recruiting, the average age of an internal HR kind of person was like 35 to 55. Now it's, you know, 22, 23, 24. And I remember when I was 22, 23, 24, I was a, an idiot. I didn't know anything. And <laughs> 
you know, how, and even now, right? If I had to recruit for someone for like a Java programming, I don't know. I don't know right. what to look for. You'd have so, to interview 30, 40 candidates before you started exactly. to get like the 411 on it. And also do a deep dive with the department and the hiring manager to understand, you know, their rock stars, their perception of quality, yeah. those types of things. Um, but yeah, so giving some context because especially these bigger corporations, they hire recent grads to be sourcers. And so they've only had college experience. And so you need to do a little bit of education sometimes, especially with those first line screens. And I think I said this to you in our coffee chat, I still think it's humans that are declining candidates over the bots and the AI, um, because I'm in the recruiting seat and I hit the decline and the, the move forward button, you know, and I think that there are some organizations that do use more slick, sophisticated technology, but more than 50% are still the recruiters. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, what, well, let me ask this, when you hit the decline, what are some of the reasons so people can know that you would just... Um, a lot of times it's people that are mass applying that their, their skill set isn't even close to the requisition, um, or we've gotten to, or we've made an offer. And so we declined that, um, or it could be, um, other candidates are more qualified and, you know, that goes back to why visibility on LinkedIn and networking with, direct hiring managers, companies, and recruiters is so powerful because if those recruiters first line can see your name more than once in the application or the ATS, um, they see you socially liking their post, showing up in their comments, commenting on the company post, you have, you're increasing your chances of visibility and consideration in their brain by combining those kinds of strategies with applying to positions. Let's talk about that a little bit more if it's okay, because yeah. tell me if you saw this, you know, for a while, I saw people who are in between roles or even people who are working, but just wanted to get another job, even though it was a pandemic, that they pretty, they'd be fairly active on LinkedIn. They'll, they'll, they'll do what you mentioned, kind of, you know, like what people posted, make comments, do their own post. There'd be a lot of these uh, graphics of like, motivational quotes, you know, aspirational quotes. Right. I, I, maybe it's my feed. I don't see as much as that anymore, which leads me to believe that a lot of people have kind of given up. Yes, some people have jobs. But it's almost like a lot of people say, eh, it's not working. I, I'm stopping. What, what do you think? Well, you know, I think that is the biggest mistake that people make. And it's really not until maybe they faced a layoff or are looking for work that they come to LinkedIn, right? Um, and I didn't really realize how amazing LinkedIn was until I worked with a LinkedIn coach, Judy Fox, and I started being consistent on the platform. Um, and I first started with commenting and it's, it is not a quick fix by any like stretch of the imagination. But LinkedIn is the best career insurance that's out there. And if people get to know you publicly, like in the comments and through your content, then they're going to trust to have conversations with you off of LinkedIn. So for example, when I announced that, you know, my job had been eliminated, you know, I had job offers in my inbox. I had speaking engagements. I had 
coaching opportunities. I had referral partners like lined up and that was all from building that social proof and visibility on the platform that I was a recruiter and a job search strategist. And when I made that announcement, you know, bam, I was able to just quickly move into the next opportunity. And so that's why I speak so passionately about social job searching, right? Um, being active on the platform should be a part of every professional's day, in my opinion. And I think COVID has busted the myth too that only job seekers are on LinkedIn. It's a wonderful place to find talent, build friendships, you know, learn and find mentors and look for work. Now, why do you think people just stop trying on there? Do you, do you have a sense? Um, I believe it's because LinkedIn can be intimidating and there's it's constantly changing. And if they haven't had some little wins, then they get frustrated, right? And so I, part of my coaching is to keep people accountable to engaging and helping them pull out stories from their experience that can be content, right? Because this is human to human and any kind of leadership topic can be tied into some life experience. And so what do you have to lose by sharing some of that? And that goes back to busting the myth that everybody has to be like so buttoned up and professional all the time, right? Um, so I think people just give up on it too quickly. LinkedIn changes fast. And um, I mean, it takes work, really. It takes consistency. And I mean, you've seen that in your journey here too, that it's you know, you're not going to be an overnight success, like if you make a couple posts. Um, but I always tell people to kind of like stick around until the miracles happen, because I've seen it time and time again. Yeah, I think you're so right, because it's one of those things where you put something out there and um, I felt the same way at first, like, okay, you put something out there. And you're you know, like, have, why is no one commenting? Yeah, it's like, you know, I have like what, 30? Jack Kelly, come on, people. <laughs> it's, that, you know, I have like what, 30,000? Yeah, I'm at, I'm at the 30,000, you know, first degree, and I keep kind of having to delete and they come and whatever. And then I have like 35,000 followers. So you think, all right, you get at least four people. <laughs> so sometimes you post and you get nothing. But I've learned, and this is for people watching, trust me on this, you know, and, and I'm just echoing what Anna was saying it's 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 a long-term game and it's a numbers game so that you can't get you know defeated if you post a few things and nothing happens because just that's the way it is it's so weird like I'll, well, I'll the biggest the greatest thing that people can do is to go out and give to others yeah so it's that law of reciprocity and so like steve Jobs says we can't connect the dots looking forward we can only connect them looking backwards so we have to trust that these actions that we're taking connecting following engaging will be fruitful or rewarding at some point, right? So, you know, going into LinkedIn with a mindset of connection, right? And it's also like, I, I say it's like the modern day golf course. This is where like the deals are going down, the opportunities are happening, or it's like a modern day trade show. Every post is like a booth and you go to the booth, you see what's going on, you make a high quality comment, you might tag someone into the conversation to keep it going and then see what happens from there. But you also wanna use the search bar to really mix up your feed. So if you're seeing the same things all the time, I bet if you go in and 
search some different hashtags or different companies uh, or follow some different people, LinkedIn will start showing you, um, it'll give you more variety. But, in your you know, that's interesting because I don't do that. So what, so maybe you could just walk me through it a little bit. So I'll go, you know, I'll look through my regular feed, but you, you say what, just try different hashtags? Can you maybe- Yeah, so if like, why, why are you on LinkedIn? For me personally, or yeah, a um, couple of things. Let's say, why am I on LinkedIn? Well, as a recruiter, I'm looking for candidates. So that's okay. so I have a few different hats. So that I'm more actually just pinpointing look, you know, who I'm going after. Are you uh, looking for clients or candidates or both? Both, you know. Okay. Um, so the search bar actually, like, if you just typed in, what's your your hottest position that you're fintech roles? Fintech. So you could just literally type in fintech in the search bar and go to and make sure you scroll all the way over to content. And it's going to show you all the posts that have said they're hiring for fintech. We would can't, can't, has fintech. I didn't even realize there's content on wait. So when you have like people, jobs, whatever, there's also content. Yeah. I, think I knew that. Okay, wait. So yeah. And then you can search different yeah. hashtags okay. too. And hashtags are like a file folder. So anyone who uses hashtags in your industry, if you go down that news feed, you're going to find like-minded people that are commenting and posting on information in your industry, which means those are probably people that might have referrals for you, might be candidates or might be future clients. That's great. Yeah, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put in like because I do have these a few really interesting roles, and it, this is so bizarre because you would think with so much unemployment that it's easy to find people. It's but still I know a candidate it's, market. I know candidates don't like to hear that, it's, but it's it's hard. There's so many. I'm working on so many jobs now that I, it, I, I spent. You have no idea. I spent hours, hours trying to find the right people, and then I noticed this too. You have you know, something I wrote about this, sheltering in your jobs where people are just kind of keeping their head down and saying, you know what, I have my job now. Maybe I don't love it. I'm just going to ride this out and wait it out. I don't want to do anything now. And they're just kind of holding tight. So here's a good point going back to what you were saying. So I think we're going to see a lot of people that have stayed employed during the pandemic jump and they're going to yes. jump fast. And for those people who have declined recruiter messages or not responded to recruiters on LinkedIn, this is the time to actually start having those conversations because things are going to pop when, you know, the economy tends is going to continue getting better. Um, that's another thing that I see passive job seekers make a mistake of is that I used to get rejections from LinkedIn recruiter messages and I was like, you know, once you reject me, it's, it's, I can't reach out to you anymore from this profile. So you have literally cut off a potential relationship and, you know, with social when you media. Say reject, I'm sorry. Just, when you say reject, is that the don't know button or just reject? This is in like LinkedIn recruiter. If I were sending you a message saying, Hey, Jack, I came across your profile. You look like a great FinTech candidate here's some of the opportunities I'm working on, would love to set up a call. And if they reject you, or at least what I remember from working before, like I can't message them on recruiter anymore if they decline the message. So it might it might be different now. I don't have access to recruiter right now, so I can't really speak. Yeah, I can't remember, because like, I'm thinking also like just the message, don't know, as opposed to that, but I can't remember offhand what it is. Yeah, so that's, yeah. 
I don't know why people reject it anyway. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, you get a message. So what? So let's say, like, so if I get a message about someone who's trying to sell me something that's just so ridiculous, uh, whatever, I'm not going to, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, the the, inbo the inbox on LinkedIn is out of control right now, but you know, you can do um, automatic messages on there too, on your DMs. Just so, so like it gets back to them, you don't have to bother? Well, you can do some custom ones that mm -hmm. like either drive people to your content, say, you know, thanks for the message, like, uh, go here to check out my recent post. Um, or, you know, you can just say you're away. You can do away messages as well with, if you go on vacation or something like that. So that's the thing about LinkedIn. There's all these little tiny, like, you know, fun things in there that if you're not taking time to really explore that you can find uh, different opportunities. Uh, Lusik made a point that I was reading the comments. She was like, some people message like three to four times. And if you're a job seeker and the recruiter's reaching out about multiple opportunities, it's better just to say thanks, but no thanks uh, versus um, just ignoring them. <laughs> you know, We just need to know to move on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I like what I you said about, I like you said about that measure. I'm going to check into it. That's kind of interesting. I'm going to play with that. Yeah. I'm waiting. I, I don't have, like I said, I don't have recent yeah. access, but I remember being like, Oh, I feel for you because I recruit for a lot of positions and I know lots of people. <laughs> and I mean, that's the other like mindset as a job seeker. It's like, you always have to be looking at people, you know, not necessarily at that first person could be the next hiring authority, but, you know, always staying positive, giving to others, because it could be, you know, second or third degree connections from them that as you build trust and visibility on the platform, they're going to go, oh, yeah, I have the perfect person for you. So do you feel for people who are kind of looking, um, are you better off the applications, resumes, or just trying to go directly to the company and finding people you know there to champion your cause? Do, do you have kind of? A like, you know, it's like a stool, right? With three legs, you mm -hmm. need to have um, some balance between the three. Uh, I personally believe your LinkedIn profile is more powerful than a resume these days. Um, and I feel like if you are socially job searching, as I say, uh, targeting, this is the other thing that I recommend for people on LinkedIn is build a favorites list. So if you have your top five companies and you have three people at each company that you think could be an influence, a referral, or a hiring manager, grab their URLs, put them in an Excel sheet or a Word document and visit their profiles, you know, twice a week, three times a week, and see if you can find a reason to comment and engage where they are commenting and engaging. Because that's what that's a way that they can see you and you're being very specific and targeted to who you're trying to get in front of. Then when they see your application in the ATS, they go, oh, how do I know Jack Kelly? <laughs> He's commented on a post that I commented on or we had a conversation in the comments. And that's where that rapport and relationship building uh, begins, which can facilitate informational interviews and more opportunities. I like that. So because most people, let's say you see a profile and it's interesting and it's relevant and like, wow, I really want to be on that person's radar. Um, most people just make a mental note and move on. But like when you're taking that second step and, and get that 
URL, save it in a sheet so you remember to go back to them. Now, yeah, and then you're not scrolling your news feed. So yeah. then you're opening LinkedIn, you're clicking into those URLs, and then you're also telling the LinkedIn algorithm, these are the types of people that I'm super interested in targeting. Yeah. So what is LinkedIn going to do? It's going to turn around and show you more people nice. like those people that you're engaging with. So um, that's just a, another little hack that that people can use like for that. that opportunity. Yeah. Now, now, what about people who are worried that it's going to be creepy? Like, oh, Jack is looking at my profile again. This is really weird. Who cares? Have, from a guy's perspective, you got, seriously, in today's day and age, you got to be careful of that. It's, it's you know, maybe it's kind of. As long as you're not dropping in the DMs like I get where people are like, I like your nice teeth. You're you very get that. beautiful. I that with so many people. How come I don't get any of that? But do you, you does that happen? Uh, like once time? a week, it's really weird. Really? Um, no, but I, so going back to like the creepy stalker vibe. Yeah. Hey, companies <laughs> want people that are go-getters. They want yeah. innovators. They want people that can connect the dots and if not now, when? And we have to, again, take radical responsibility for our ourselves and our careers. So uh, what do you have to lose? This is just another way that you can stand out against your competition. See, that's, that's I gotta tell you, that's the biggest takeaway that I've seen, particularly during the pandemic, yeah. is that, you know, for a lot of people, they were just so used to, uh, particularly those who are the, in the, you know, who've been working for 10, 15, 20 plus years, they're so used to how it works. Hey. How many times you hear this? Oh, I've never had to use a recruiter because people know me and they'll always give a reference and they'll get me in there. And it's almost like the muscles atrophy and they don't mm -hmm. realize, then they like, now that they have to really hunker down, it's hard to deal with. They don't- Well, really and have to you know, the, the common saying is your, your network, network is your yeah. net worth. And I think this has been a big light bulb experience for people where they're like, wow, I haven't been- nourishing my network as much as I should. And an easy way to do that is through LinkedIn. And there are so many people that are watching and lurking that are not commenting, yes. but they see what you're doing. So therefore you're top of mind. That's probably one of the reasons that I was able to go back to my ex-employer is because all the people I were connected for, with couldn't stop seeing my face on LinkedIn. <laughs> No, I'm with you because I can tell you from personal experience, you know, especially as a recruiter, people are always a little leery to make comments because then they'll think, hey, my boss is like, why are you getting in touch with Jack? Are you looking? So they're a little, you know, nervous, but then they'll send me a private message or, or we'll talk on the phone and they'll say, hey, Jack, you know what? I like when you wrote about this. I like when you do this. And I'm thinking, you, I've never seen you comment. I've never seen you do anything, but yeah. clearly this person... And they're not, you know, sometimes people say it just to be nice, but then I realize they're not just being nice because they're really very specific in what they're talking about. And they clearly read my, you know, whatever Forbes article, or they looked at the job. I yeah. Posted. Being specific yeah. to those types of things really can escalate the nourishing of that relationship, but use the block button liberally. I mean, you can block your boss from seeing your activity on LinkedIn. It's not that hard. Um, they might be cued in to the fact that you block them if you're on a group message with them. But outside of that, it's not super, you know, especially if they're not very active on the platform anyway, like what do you have to lose? I mean, use LinkedIn as a learning platform, as a, you know, just a, another social platform, and then just be cautious of 
where and how you comment and keep it very other focused, giving to others that makes you look good. And then it builds that trust, which people will be able to see what you do if you have an optimized profile, which will bring in incoming opportunities. That's, that's brilliant. You know, speaking of platforms, you mentioned Clubhouse. Do you want to maybe explain to people who may not be familiar what it is, what it's about, and, and could it potentially help job seekers or people who are trying to advance their careers? Yeah, absolutely. So Clubhouse is an iOS uh, audio-only uh, social media iOS platform. meaning only Apple, right? Only yeah. I Okay. So it's only Apple, and it's also invite-only. So you have to, you're basically like tied to whoever invites you and it's their way of making sure that people that are coming into Clubhouse are not trolls or just bad people or whatever. Um, and it's a pretty fascinating platform. We have used it to host audio rooms to talk about job search strategy, um, all different topics around looking for work. Um, and so people can come up to the stage and ask a question and have basically live hot seat coaching, audio only. Um, and we, Judy Fox had created kind of a circle from Clubhouse to LinkedIn through the events. So we can be speaking on Clubhouse while people are chatting in the event comments on LinkedIn, which is really cool because it's a little harder to network on Clubhouse. So bringing some of the people back to LinkedIn has been really fun. Um, so it's a great way to learn all kinds of topics. So you can go in and customize um, your interest and um, there are all kinds of events and clubs. I have a career BFF club that I'm growing. So I'm just Anna Career BFF on Clubhouse and we have an event uh, tomorrow night at six o'clock. So it's, um, it's, it's just another place where there have been uh, companies and recruiters that are doing uh, live events. And actually tonight or four o'clock today with Dan Roth, he's doing a, a live job search um, clubhouse room. And I'll be talking about some of the hot jobs I'm working on in my current role. So you should pop in if you I'll have things you're definitely. working on too. That guy Dan is constantly trying to, he's always, he's always moving. He's always doing something, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, he's got like a, an operations and management and yeah. healthcare background, but I'm like, I feel like you should be in recruiting. He doesn't want to do sales. That. He's kind of so doing he that account now, management. Right? <laughs> so that's interesting. Do you, do you see like, are there a lot of job seekers who pop on there? Um, we have gotten a pretty good following. I would say like it ranges from 20 to 60 people per room, which is a really nice audience. Um, you know, we do, uh, other coaches and stuff will pop on stage and add, you know, their insights as well, but we really try to keep it very focused to job seekers and career changers. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a, pro, a platform that's still in beta. So we'll see kind of where this goes, but the industry experts seem to think it's going to stick around. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's, it's such a different way of doing it because by just talking, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, it, it's, it's different than just typing things in. And so, so that kind of could, could, in addition to LinkedIn, have another way to get noticed to get ideas, to get suggestions. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard stories of people getting contract gigs and hired off of Clubhouse. And so they're really doing some innovative things. I mean, cause what you can do is like, if you're moderating a room and a job seeker comes up and say, I'm hiring, 
like I can ping that person into a private room and basically do a phone screen right there. So that's step one and then take them to the next step from there. Wow, that's interesting. So like, so let's say there's somebody who's interested in getting your, you know, from either a recruiter's perspective, you know, mm -hmm. for where, you know, for, you know, the company you recruit for or career coaching, you could say, hey, let, let's, let's step into a separate room. Right. And then you could talk. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, that's happened with a friend of mine, like somebody pinged her and was like, I want to hire you right now, pinged her into a private room. They had a conversation and, and got started right away. So um, a clubhouse is a little bit of a, a time suck in my, like with my schedule, I'm having trouble like showing up there as much as I would like to. Um, and because I'm a visual person, I, I seem to get more nervous doing audio than I do in person, which is really interesting. I feel, it feels more like you're on a stage talking, yeah. which doesn't make sense because you would think I would be more nervous on video, so. Is it, or is it because is it it's a new medium, so you're still trying to get like the feel of it, huh? Well, yeah, and moderating rooms is way yeah. harder than it looks. <laughs> like I hang up the phone and I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's like, it, it just takes a lot out of you, like trying to, you know, put people back in the audience and reset the room and welcome people and then answer the question and listen to everything that's going on, so. And then you probably also stress, you don't want to get people get bored. So you want to kind of keep them in, you know, keep the energy high and, you know, if you, and you're going to have uh, people that come to stage that aren't in the best space. So like trying to keep it <laughs> light and upbeat. Uh, so lots of moving <laughs> so you, parts. So you can get someone who's really, <laughs> in other words, you're being polite. Someone who's like really super negative. You're like, oh my gosh, they're going to just make everyone miserable like, and sad and cry. To the audience. <laughs> well, then you feel bad because I mean, they're, you know, these are yeah. people that are going through things and then yeah. also just sticking with, you know, the protocols, if you right. will, it's tricky. Now, what would you say about Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? Will it depend on what kind of profession they're in or is it worthwhile, you know, investigating those platforms to kind of, well, the same way you were talking about LinkedIn, just to kind of get yourself known? So I always recommend, you know, you look at your connections that are closest to you first, right? Go through your phone, go through your Instagram, go through your Facebook and make sure you're connected with those people on LinkedIn, right? Um, and then, you know, depending on your industry, the role that you're looking, like do a little bit of outreach because people think when they go to look for a job, like they have to go outward and they have to start from scratch. And a lot of times if you're, uh, intentional about going through some of these connections that you have, you're going to find like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, Roger Smith that I went to high school with is a controller at a gas company. Well, you know, I'm looking for an accounting and finance position. We went to high school. Why wouldn't I send him a direct message or pick up the phone and give him a call? So some of those little just kind of common sense um, tactics with social media is a good idea. And because Clubhouse is connected to Twitter and Instagram, it is helpful to have accounts that are, you know, in a position that if you are looked at by an employer, that it would be content that you feel comfortable talking about in an interview. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, wow, you gave a lot of stuff. A lot, a lot of it. You, a lot of, I love, I, I love social media, and I love LinkedIn. <laughs> is there anything that I didn't ask you, or anything else that you could offer to people with the idea, just to kind of get back on the horse, or just kind of rejuvenate themselves and, and put that push on, so when things really reopen, they're ready to go. 
Yeah, I would say the first thing is just to, to start with LinkedIn, get your profile optimized, have a nice, clear, concise cover image, a great headline that aligns with the positions that you're applying for. Use your about section to highlight who you are as a human and a professional, and then make sure your contact information is easily accessible. Maximize your skills, update your recommendations, and then just try to engage like five times a day. Just start with that and be other focused and see what happens from there. And just be aware of networking opportunities. I think those are the most impactful things that people can do right now to position themselves uh, for incoming opportunities. And it won't be so overwhelming and anxiety ridden. <laughs> well, that's great. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's, you know, that, and what, what's, what I like about doing these LinkedIn's in part is that, you know, we'll, we'll, reload it you know usually what we'll do is kind of edit it out and clean it up and all that kind of stuff but then we repost it so people could kind of watch it again you know and because you do give so much advice and after a while you know sometimes it's hard to imagine for people watching it to process it all and i like how you just brought it all together at the end so this way they kind of have a game plan you know like have a built-in game plan all right here's what i have to do you know everything yeah from and then just you know if you're if you find yourself feeling down in the dumps, you know, just make sure you pick up the phone and call someone because, you know, this can be a scary time for people. And, you know, I've myself have had those moments where I've had to pick up the phone and be like, I'm not doing okay, you know, and yeah. I'm not really sure why, but I need somebody to talk to. And, you know, I think that's a big thing too, that like, don't be afraid to ask for help. And that's the same thing with LinkedIn. Like when people direct message people, um, you know, asking for a mentor or asking for a referral, they're giving someone the opportunity to be of service. And a lot of people need that right now. So yeah. don't be afraid to ask, but do the work to earn the right to ask, for, you know, for a referral or for a conversation. And you do that by supporting that content um, and building trust and being other focused first on the platform. And it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. for someone, for people who want to find you, where yeah. LinkedIn, obviously, but can you give a few places where they could? Yeah. So Clubhouse is Wednesday nights at six o'clock so far. Um, I'm also on Instagram, which is just Anna Morgan Career BFF. And Clubhouse is just Anna Career BFF. And I'm on Facebook. Uh, I think it's Anna Morgan Career BFF. <laughs> I like lean into my like. name first and then yeah. Career BFF. So it's yeah. easy to find me. But um, yeah. They have a lot of videos that too. Where, where are they on your, you know, just on LinkedIn or go to YouTube? Right channel? now they're just on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm going to move over to YouTube at some point. But uh, it's, that's a goal for 2021. Okay. So. But you have a lot, don't you? Seems. I do. I do. I need to put them in like one place <laughs> in case like LinkedIn just disappears one day. So, you know, it's so funny because, you know, on the show, you're, you're so professional and sharp, but you're not afraid on your, on your, tell me if, I, if I'm kind of reading it right. Like on your YouTubes, you're not afraid just to have fun. Yeah. Oh, no. And that's really like a big thing for me is just to embrace that fun inspired yeah. side because to bring some levity and heart and humor to job seekers, because like, 
honestly, I want to be a little bit different than some of the people in my space. So if I can make funny faces or laugh at myself or goof off, like that just brings some relatability and some humor when people are like, oh, she's kind of funny, but she's also, you know, dropping some great knowledge and wisdom about how to level up with working with recruiters. So yeah, and I think that's so smart to do because people yeah. who are going through some tough times, who are stressed out, you just need to laugh a little bit. You know, you need, yeah, you need to, yeah. to and not be so serious at times. Yeah. So like uh, I did that one video with my daughter where she came in and she was making fun of me trying to record my, you know, career BFF update. And, uh, you know, the camera was still rolling and we just had this funny conversation. Yeah. And I was like, this is leadership, right? This is parenting. This is relatable. This is what other entrepreneurs and businessmen and women are dealing with. So I'm going to share this because, you know, people will relate to it and it might elicit some belly laughs. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is great. It was so nice being uh, with you. Our conversations are always so great and I really appreciate the opportunity. And once I get my live up and going, I'll have you on the Career BFF show as well. I'm on it. Yes. Excellent. I have something to look forward to. I'm going to check out. So it's Wednesday at six o'clock for Clubhouse. And what was the other one you said? Four o'clock? Today with Dan Roth, four o'clock is, uh, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, It shows, pops up. Job Search Tuesdays, Network, Job Search Tuesdays. I don't know where he went. He was here. (laughs) He's probably on Clubhouse. (laughs) Well, excellent. Thank you so much, Adam. You're welcome. Have a wonderful rest of your day and a great week. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you want to check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R dot I-O. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals, so make sure to check us out today.